Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better on this week's episodes. In the red corner... Arnie wasn't initially convinced. The studio thought it was going to be a middling B-movie, but not for the last time. James Cameron fought tooth and nail to get his vision on screen. And how? Putting Piranha 2 The Spawning firmly in the rearview mirror in 1984. He gave us his groundbreaking sci-fi slasher, The Terminator. It can't be reasoned with. It can't be bargained with. It will feel no pity, no remorse, no pain, no fear. It will have only one purpose, to return to the present and prevent the future. This weapon will be called the Terminator. You're dead, honey. While in the blue corner, he said he was going to be back. And he is, but not as we know him, because Arnie is now the good guy, facing off against a liquid metal nemesis who was like nothing we'd ever seen before. With mind-blowing special effects, James Cameron delivers the last good Terminator movie in 1991's Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Same make. These were taken at the West Highland Police Station, 1984. You were there. Same model. These were taken today. You have to let me see my son. He's in great danger. So, what connects these two movies, and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Butters. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. A bit like Chris Tilly. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. Hey, there you are. That's actually me. That's you. It's actually me. No pity, no remorse. And he certainly cannot be bargained with. <laughs> 
was just talking about the film choices each week uh-huh. you're referring to. Yeah, why not? Let's go, let's go with that. How are you both, Victoria? Lovely floral dress today. Thanks. Mm? Yeah, you look nice, Vicky. Oh, thanks, Chris. Yeah. It's sort of means more. <laughs> so, is it, do you think it's so disingenuous when I say that when yeah, Chris says it, it means so it carries more yeah, weight? I feel like it's just yeah. an automatic thing you do when you see someone. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's an automatic thing that I, that I give them the compliment. What's wrong with that? That's a lovely thing Dis- to do. Disingenuous. Right. <laughs> right. Well, you you do look really nice. Thanks. See, not the same response at all. I like the combination. I will say this. I like the combination of the leather jacket with the floral dress. Is the leather jacket inspired by Arnie in Terminator 2? Let's say yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. Yes, it is. Okay. And the knee-high leather boot? <laughs> Those two. Right. And the gun? <laughs> and the attitude, yeah. Excellent. Chris, great T-shirt. Godzilla. What is it? Mm. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't notice. Mm. Yeah, this is this is a visual thing you're doing, and this is an audio experience for the listeners. But building a picture, building a picture—that's all I'm doing. I know you hate this section, but it's stay. I just feel bad for the listeners. Why? People can visualize what a Godzilla T-shirt it's, looks like. It's, it's got Godzilla on it, and it says Godzilla. It's essentially dead air. <laughs> oh, one of those shows. I can feel it. It's one of those shows. Right. This week is a special week on Clash Pod. Our pairing came from some friends. On another podcast, Chris. Yes, brilliant screenwriters and brilliant podcasters, Kevin and Will from the Best Bits podcast, asked us to do Terminator and Terminator 2 to time with the fact that we asked them to do Best Robot Scene on their podcast and Terminator 2 turns 30 this week. You love an anniversary. I do. You do. Nothing wrong with that. Love an anniversary. Uh, Right then, Clue. On Tuesday last week's episode, Chris, what was it? Don't judge a bot by its cover. Really love that clue. Thought that clue was great. Thought the, it was almost too easy. Because the keyword there was judge, because judgment's coming. Didn't even pick up on that. Neither did I. No. Yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. You, th- you then followed that up on Twitter with? Uh, push the button, save the world. I mean, it was nearly been there, done that, but we agreed that was too easy. That was going to be the third clue if no one got it. Yeah. But yeah, it was push the button, save the world. I don't understand that clue. Why? What's the button pushing in either movie? Because Sarah both Connor movies. stands in a factory and pushes a button and the first one crushes the Terminator the and the second one sends him into... It, it's how she kills the Terminator both yes. times. No, it is. Yeah. It's yeah. actually one of the links, the similarities between mm. the two films. So what I was going to do was ask that off air and, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> so we flicked through the various guesses that arrived from the future on Twitter. We're at ClashPod and on Instagram at ClashPod. Uh, Ross and Joe said AI versus iRobot. Mm, all right. Not a big response in the studio for that. Uh, I quite liked it. Damien Cunningham said, iRobot versus Age of Ultron. Saz and Peter White, iRobot versus Ex Machina. Who is it who wants to do Ex Machina? Me. Right. And you <laughs> don't like it or haven't seen it? I haven't seen it yet. Right. Okay. Okay. I think we should do that. Okay. Soon. Uh, Gemma Page and Paul Lowe getting closer, iRobot versus T2. And finally, Andrew Holden says, Mamma Mia versus Mamma Mia 2, Rise of the Machines. <laughs> <laughs> Made me chuckle when I read that. Shake of the head from Chris. No, nope. he's a tough crowd, Andrew. I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, but step forward, Lee Tim's first time winner of the guest section with Terminator versus Terminator 2. Congratulations, Lee. Your prize are free tickets to a VIP night out at Tech Noir Nightclub <laughs> in downtown Los Angeles. They are valid until Thursday, the 12th of May, 1984, <laughs> at which point the club had to close for major refurbishments. <laughs> That's very good. Oh, you like that? You like yeah. that. Uh, all right, then. 
connection section. What do you got? Uh, they kill the Terminators by pushing a button mm-hmm. both times. Sarah Connor does. <laughs> yep. Industrial oh, climax. Yeah. So they do. they do. Factory settings, industrial climax, which sounds like something else, but what I actually mean is factories, mm. steel mills. Should we cut to the chase? I honestly, on this rewatch, didn't realise, I think this is the first time I've realised how much of a remake of Terminator, Terminator 2 mm. is. Yeah, it's like a mirror. It's like a mirror image, isn't it, where he's sort of, he's paying homage to scenes in the first one, but also he's kind of doing the same but opposite. No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you mean, that you said no, like you meant, yeah, but it sounded like no. No, I no. He's doing the scenes he wanted to do when he didn't have any, any money, and then he gets loads of money and he just does them better. Mm-hmm. I think. But he made the bad Terminator the good Terminator this time. I agree with that. That's plain. <laughs> There's lots of little things like that. Did he? I meant to ask that question outside, but hindsight's twenty twenty. There's lots of little things like that, which yeah. we'll get into because well, that would be the differences. But, there's, we did but there's loads though. There's the uh, the tanker in both movies. The bad going Terminator over the schools. Steals. Yeah. No, but no. At the end, a, a vehicle rolls yes. on an overpass uh, while yep. another Terminator drives a tanker towards them. Yeah, literally the same scene. There's loads of they start the same. Naked guys are coming to get you. <laughs> 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 Write that movie. <laughs> any more for any more? Uh, bootstrap paradoxes. So, do you remember we talked about bootstrap paradoxes on the Interstellar episode, which is um, a causal time loop? Mm. So, oh, you look really out of your comfort zone. What's the matter? I'm just. I think you and Chris talked about that. <laughs> well, on which episode? Interstellar. Are you yep. listening? Yeah. So a bootstrap, yeah, we'll get into it later, but um, Carl Reese being the father of the person that sent him back is a bootstrap paradox. Mm. And the fragment of the T-800 left behind leading to the creation of Skynet is also a bootstrap paradox. Did you read Did you read the 40-page scriptment he wrote in, in 1982, James Cameron, no. The Terminator? He, get, he, he gets into that in that. That was nearly in the film with him addressing it. And I think he just thought, nah, it doesn't, asked, it, yeah. it doesn't... It doesn't really make sense, so it's better if I just, just actually leave it. Leave it. Yeah. Actually, him addressing it, like he no, the pop car- up during the, the film and go, "Hi, you enjoying Terminator? <laughs> James Cameron here to tell you about bootstrap paradoxes." No, okay. I've got one more. Snarky, a snarky is a polite way of putting it. Psychiatrists and mental health professionals. Well, it's the same it's bloody the same character. One. Yeah, yeah, but in the other one, he's got a team, so he sort of infects the team with his bullshit, and he's like, "Check this girl out," and they're like, "Whoa, she's mad." Yeah, isn't yeah. that just because he's the senior person there, so people have to play along with whatever he says? Maybe. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to talk about is both films were influenced by the Thing, but in very different ways. Ooh, interesting. But I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into that. I have a Thing reference in mind, so I'm interested in that immediately. Excellent. Immediately, right on Thursday, then Victoria will be getting all judgy as usual, which means today, Chris, give me your clothes as I talk about Terminator. Let me take you on a journey. Stop it. <laughs> it's a visual thing you've just done. Yeah, I thought you were against any visual gags. You're not supposed to acknowledge me taking my trousers off. That is a power move. <laughs> a lot of fur down there. <laughs> All right. Today's synopsis is from the perspective, just to mix it up, of Kyle Reese. Lovely. Hmm. It's not a robot, it's a cybernetic organism, Sarah. Stop calling it a fucking robot. Jeez, I get it's all new for you, but I'm a soldier from the future who's come back in time to protect you and hopefully have sex with you (laughs) because I had this photo I got given that I really fucking love and the machines destroyed all the pornography in the future. So, you know, I like this photo a lot, if you get what I mean. Anyway, the least you can do is use the correct terminology, yeah? So... 
a cybernetic organism, not a robot, has come back in time to kill you, and I'm here to protect you while wearing some filthy trousers I stole from a homeless dude for literally the whole movie. I won't change them. Even when I'm in a clothes shop and I could change them, I won't. Anyway, this, and I'm doing quotation marks here, Terminator wants to stop you from having a son who, as far as the robots of the future are concerned... Shit, now I'm doing it. The cybernetic (laughs) organisms of the future are concerned is a real pissant. Anyway, that's pretty much it. Although I really should change these trousers. Ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration, the Terminator. I made quite a few notes about his trousers. (laughs) Come on, Kyle. They obviously smell of piss. (laughs) And he's not wearing any pants either. So he's going commando in those trousers. And either side of having sex with Sarah Connor, he takes those trousers off and puts them back on. I guess, I guess the smell of... She's not bothered. (laughs) She likes the smell of piss. It's an aphrodisiac. That was really good. Well, you've obviously had a bit of spare time this week. It's been a quiet week. Really good. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, our individual histories with this movie. Chris, I recorded it off the telly, but didn't stick it on for ages because I was too scared to watch it. How old were you? About eight, nine. Yeah. And then I think I ended up watching it in 1991 in the run up to seeing Terminator 2 in the cinema. I felt like I was ready. Everything sort of. So you at the right time. You watched them in the correct order then. So you oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I was about, about 13 by that time. Okay, okay. And did, you, did your 13-year-old self get a kick out of it? Yes. Yeah, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Oh, I mean, it was pretty graphic, actually. Mm. I actually feel like the version I watched on Amazon um, was edited. Like, And it's a 15 now, so obviously they brought the certificate down. But I don't know if that was a slightly cut version because I'm sure there was stuff missing that. Really? Like what? 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 What was noticeably missing? Because I can't remember. I watched when he, like when he kills the punks at the start. I yeah. thought that was much more graphic. Uh, the first time you I watched, see it. rips their heart out. <laughs> He's holding his heart. I didn't see that. You didn't see that. Oh. I watched a weird version. Did of it. You, have you got parental parental <laughs> guidance on your Amazon account? He rips his heart out. Yeah, it's really graphic. Yeah, it's in his hand. Yeah, I remember from when I was twelve. I just no. didn't see the day. Anyway, so that's my story. All okay. right, all right, V. So I can pinpoint the age because for my 13th birthday, my parents uh, gave me my own bedroom. They put my sister in the box room. And, but as part of this, I got my own little telly and I went through a phase of watching films I was too young to watch because I was a bit of a baby. So 13 sounds quite old, but I was a baby. So we've spoken about this before. I watched Alien and I couldn't get past the chestburster scene and it scared me to death. And I never watched it again until for this podcast. Mm. And also Robocop I watched by myself and I shouldn't have done that. No. And also Terminator. And it scared me to death. This movie scared you to death? Yeah, and I haven't watched it since because I'm too scared of it. And to be honest, there's a lot of it I still can't cope with. And if I see a red dot, to be honest, anywhere, I'm not great because it scared me to so much. I'm going to get one of those laser pointers. (laughs) Yeah, I can't really. My mum used to have one for the cat. I was just like, put it away. So... Yeah, I never, I didn't ever want to see it again because I was so terrified. And then I watched it this week. That's it. Oh, sorry. I feel bad now. We made you do that. No, it was a brilliant experience. Okay, good. Really good. You didn't find it scary this time. Found it terrifying. Oh, again? But in a good way. Right. In a way that I could cope with because I'm not 13 anymore and I'm not a baby. (laughs) Not a baby. So I was meant to watch this when I was a kid. Uh, My mum said, I'm going to rent you a movie that I've seen, so I think it's okay. Uh, played fast and loose with uh, age recommendations. So I must have been about, I don't know, 10, 11. And she was like, I'll get you the Terminator. Uh, But she didn't actually say the Terminator. She said this movie. And she meant to get the Terminator, but she rented me Robocop. Oh. Because she got them mixed up, Mm. which fucked me up. Mm. And she came in at one point and went, 
I don't think this is the right movie because <laughs> there's a guy whose skin is melting off on the screen and I didn't mean to get you that. So Is it that much worse? Robocop, yes. Okay. Yeah, no, you're probably, times you're worse. probably right. Murphy's death in Robocop is worse than anything in the Terminator. Yeah, agreed. A hundred percent. so I didn't actually watch it until after I'd seen T two. So I saw T two oh, first. Boo. Really? I'm yeah, just, really. Well, I'm surprised that watching them back to back in the right order this time. Obviously, there's loads of references to the first movie in T2, but they just they didn't matter to me as a kid. When I saw T2, I was just like, this is fucking amazing. I wasn't like, what are they talking about? Well, he, he and Cameron, I saw him on one of the interviews this week talking about the fact that when whenever he makes a sequel, he wants you not to have had to see the first film. Obviously, he reiterates in T2 what happened in T1 quite cleverly, but equally, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And the same with Aliens. Yeah. Uh, the best alien movie, yeah. Uh, so I saw T2. I must have seen it a few times before I ever went back to the Terminator. So I saw it as an adult. Didn't terrify me. Uh, quite enjoyed it. But this is the first time I've really paid attention to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's uh, an interesting experience. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. So would you like to know a little bit about the production of this movie? Are you okay? I, just, I think I just inhaled. Did you sort of fly? <laughs> Something, some sort of dust mite or a, a small... An animal of some kind entered my uh, larynx, but I'm fine. I'll power through. So in 1982, James Cameron is in Rome. He's just started directing Piranha 2, The Spawning, and he's having a fucking shit time. <laughs> because producer Ovidio Asinitis is meddling with his direction, won't let Cameron make what he wants, and soon enough, Cameron is fired. He's in Rome, he gets ill, and he has a fever dream. And in this fever dream... He sees a metal creature crawling towards him out of a blazing fire holding a pair of kitchen knives. This is where his journey to the Terminator begins. Am I right in thinking this isn't the first movie he's made based on a dream? I'm pretty sure we talked about Avatar on that episode, which came from another dream or a story his mum had told him or something from his childhood. Tapping into his inner child. I like the fact, though, that he he has a dream about an exoskeleton coming out of a fire and that inspires him to write a story about a virgin travelling back in time to impregnate a woman in a photo <laughs> to become his best mate's dad. Like, it's, his, it's his boss's mum. It is a bit weird, isn't it? That Carl Reese is like, I've always it, fancied you. It's just weird how we got from there to there. Mm. I, I guess it all makes sense, but um, yeah, madness. I, don't, I also think it's funny that some bloke decided that he could direct better than James Cameron and so meddled and then fired him. He must feel like an idiot now. <laughs> yeah, what does James Cameron say about Piranha? He, I think for a long time, I think even now he talks about the Terminator being his first feature. Sure, yeah, He yeah. doesn't really reference Piranha Agreed. 2. Agreed. But he was asked about it, I think, in 2010, probably around the time Avatar was released, he was doing an interview, and he said it is the best flying Piranha movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got this dream in his head. And he decides to make this creature from the dream, the villain, in a twist on the slasher genre. So he talks about how a lot of his contemporaries were doing slasher horror movies. John Carpenter was the guy I idolised most. He made Halloween for $30,000 or something. That was everyone's break-in dream. And so that's what he wanted to do with this. His initial outline for the script, two Terminators being sent back to the past uh, it's basically he pitched Terminator 2. And uh, again, not for the first time, he couldn't do it because the effects weren't there to have his liquid metal Terminator, just like he put Avatar on ice for so long until the technology came into being. He did the same with this. Uh, a lot of the quotes that I found when reading about um, 
The Terminator come from uh, Rebecca Keegan's very good book, The Futurist, uh, which has got loads of fascinating stuff about this film. In Anyway, Cameron takes his script to his agent, who goes, I don't like it. And in classic Cameron style, he goes, do you know, you're fired. <laughs> so he gets rid of his agent, sells the script for $1 to Gail Ann Hurd, uh, who he'd met while he was working for Roger Corman. And the deal was, you get it for a dollar, but you can only produce the movie if I direct it. And that is future Mrs. Cameron, mm -hmm. Gail Ann Hurd. So she kept her promise. Uh, future ex-Mrs. Cameron, <laughs> yeah. like a lot of them. There's a few of those. Um, so <laughs> in these, this episode... <laughs> um, so uh, Heard kept her promise. Uh, the studio didn't want Cameron, but she was like, no, uh, I'm going to fight for him. going to get him to direct it. And he says, Cameron says, I have a career as a result of selling it for $1. So I never really regretted that decision, although it was costly financially, because I think he lost a lot of the rights to the merchandise and the theme park. And any movie that he didn't directly produce or direct, he got no royalties. For. Yeah, he, he would have made money off those shite sequels, mm. which would have been nice for him. Yeah. You know, while they're pissing on his legacy. Mm. And absolutely deserved, because they wouldn't exist without him. So eventually the script gets picked up by John Daly, who's the president of a company called Hemdale Film Corporation. Now, uh, this sounds like a crazy thing to do, uh, but to convince Daly to actually go ahead with his script, <laughs> he gets his friend, Lance Henriksen, to turn up 15 minutes before Cameron's due to arrive, dressed as the Terminator kick open the door to Daly's office <laughs> and sit there in silence, uh, just staring at Daly. And like whatever Daly says, Lance Henriksen says nothing, he just sits there. And then Cameron arrives and goes, hey, pretty fucking great, <laughs> you huh? like it? <laughs> this has been fun, hasn't it? <laughs> He's obviously good in those meeting situations because you always tell the alien dollar <sighs> sign. I love that. Which you is on our Aliens episode. Yeah. Do you remember that story? You've, you've well, told you it a put million an times. S on and turn it into a dollar. <laughs> you've yeah. told it a million so times. Good. You say it in the pub every every week. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you want to talk about the best alien movie, it'll happen. So um, I, it's unclear how much Lance Henriksen's uh, presence in that situation actually contributed to Daly going, I'm in, but he was in. He says he liked the vision and like Cameron's attitude and the drawings and the artwork. He doesn't go, and that fucking guy <laughs> sat in my office for 15 minutes in silence. He puts he puts silver foil on his teeth, which Ooh, makes me feel... Oh, God. I can't, I can't imagine it. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's upsetting. That would hurt. I'm sorry. Yeah. I wonder if he was like, and I'm going to do this for you, James. Obviously, I'm an actor. I'm sort of trying to make my own way. I definitely get to play the Terminator, <laughs> right? Well, that's the deal here. Have you seen like the artwork that, that Cameron drew with Henriksen's face as the Terminator? No. Yeah, because when Henriksen was going to play the character, he created art because, you know, Cameron's an artist. So he created artwork and it looks cool. And then, obviously, we, you, I don't want to jump forward to the casting, but he did exactly the same artwork for Arnie. So it's amazing. You can see them side by side as these two different visions of exactly the same character in the same clothes in the same vision. Do you know who he would have been? I could have seen Lance Henriksen as the T-1000. Of course. Yeah. That would have been amazing. Yeah. That would have been amazing. Not the Robert Patrick. Anyway, we're getting ahead. That's, that's, that's Thursday's episode. Uh, so... Uh, well, we are actually uh, talking uh, about casting, although there is uh, there was one little thing uh, that Gail Ann Hurd, uh, she gives some notes to Cameron on the script to help get it away with uh, John Daly, and she gets a writing credit uh, for that because she gave him some notes. Um, Cameron uh, says in 2009, um, she did no actual writing at all. <laughs> really? So he won't let that lie. 
Uh, yeah, and that's not the first time he's done that, and I'm sure it won't be the last time. He, I think he, he's a good collaborator, but then he's not, he doesn't love giving credit. Mm. And I'm sure we're going to talk about credit on this film. Maybe not a good collaborator then. I don't know. <laughs> he's good at, at the time. time. Yeah. He's good at the time. <laughs> the moment. This is great. I've actually yeah, never had I, such a good working relationship. <laughs> more ideas. I love it. <laughs> and then the Terminator does what? I'll just, no, I'll write it down. You don't, you don't have to do any actual writing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, casting. Sly Stallone, Mel Gibson, uh, both turned down uh, the role of the Terminator. Uh, but, you know, we got quite far along and it wasn't Lance Henriksen. O.J. Simpson. Mm. Mm. Uh, Arnie said as recently as 2019 about this. <laughs> he tells a funny story while promoting, say it quietly, Dark Fate. Um, it was actually O.J. Simpson. It was actually O.J. Simpson who was the first cast Terminator. Then somehow James Cameron felt that he was not as a believable killing machine. So then they hired me. That's what really happened. <laughs> so quite camp. <laughs> Didn't know Arnie was that camp. Um, it's getting worse. Yeah, well, it, it, Cameron said, didn't he, in about 94, that it was because... Um, you wouldn't buy you wouldn't buy OJ as a killer mm. because he was Mr. Nice. He was Mr. Yeah. Likeable. So Arnie. Yeah. But apparently there is I didn't see it, but Arnie says he's got the artwork of OJ Simpson as the Terminator hanging in his office that uh, Cameron did. But uh, it was Arnie who gets sent uh, the script because uh, Orion, the company, are on board now. And so their uh, founder has got ideas about Arnie being in it, sends uh, him the script uh, with a view to playing Kyle Reese. So initially, Arnie is uh, suggested as Kyle Reese. Uh, Cameron is not sure. Uh, but he agrees to meet with Schwarzenegger just to keep the peace and plans to pick a fight with him so that it makes his casting untenable because they've had a massive fight. But then he gets there. And not surprisingly, when you read about Cameron and you read about Arnie, they get on like a fucking house on fire. Mm. They really love each other. Arnie's got loads of ideas about the villain, loves the idea of the Terminator. And by the end, uh, Cameron walks away and goes, yeah, he uh, he's not Carl Reese, but fuck, he'd make a hell of a Terminator. Fun fact, Arnie paid for the lunch as well. Did he really? Yes, should have been Cameron, but Arnie had the power and the money at the time. So he picked up the check. Well, also, it's a power play. That is it's such a power play. Like if you pay for lunch, it's like that famous thing. There's a it's on YouTube of um, Tony Blair and George uh, W. Bush uh, walking down a corridor, and you always <laughs> yeah. think that the most subservient person is the person who opens the door for the other, and the mm. other is in a position of power. But it's the opposite because if you open the door for someone, you are basically saying, "Look, they can't handle this on their own. They're too infirm. They're too weak." It's you who's going. Let me get that for you because I'm the more powerful one. Is that why you always hold the door for me, Chris? Is that just because you're a gentleman? Yeah, I don't think in those terms. He's a, I know I'm the most powerful person in any room. <laughs> oh, sorry, you told me to prove it. <laughs> no problem. Fucking your bench. More than bloody you. <laughs> Dense bones, mate. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so there's that footage of Tony Blair and George W. Bush walking down the corridor and they both are trying to very subtly get ahead of the other <laughs> so that they can open the door for the other. There's another one where Tony Blair and Bono are on stage together. And again... Power play. The last person to touch the other person to an audience is the more powerful. And they're getting further and further apart, both trying to be the last person to slap the other on the back. Going, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. Ridiculous. Oh, God. I'm going to be watching you really closely next time you're on stage. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, uh, Cameron does remember Arnie saying, uh, he said to Arnie, how much acting experience have you had? And Arnie said to uh, James Cameron, uh, it does not matter. 
I intend to be a movie star like Clint Eastwood and Sylvester Stallone. Cameron says, I'm hearing this and thinking, dude, that is so unlikely. <laughs> but then you meet Arnie. It's a weird question to ask someone how much acting experience you have when he's been in 10 years worth of films mm-hmm. that James Cameron surely is, has access to. Yeah. And also one of those movies is going to come back and bite Cameron in the ass because they had yes. to put the Terminator on ice for a bit uh, so that Arnie could go off and film Conan the Destroyer. Disappointing sequel. Um, anyway, in the meantime, just by the by, while we were talking about it, that gives Cameron the chance to go off and uh, write Aliens, um, which is a great thing. And, uh, and he storyboarded the entirety of Terminator. So oh, we probably yeah. ended up with a better movie. Yeah. Um, for Kyle Reese then, Sting was going to play him, uh, but couldn't because he had a world tour coming up. Uh, also, these names were thrown into the mix. Matt Dillon. Carl mm. Reese, uh, Kurt Russell, mm. Tommy Lee Jones. I mean, mm. with Sting, you can see that Kyle Reese is kind of styled a bit like Sting. Mm. He's got the hair and even the clothes look a bit like Sting, the long overcoat. Yeah. Um, Michael Bean was then approached, obviously, uh, and he wasn't convinced. He wasn't convinced because Arnie was in it and says he was a bodybuilder and he'd just done Conan, was not considered an actor by any stretch of the imagination. Most people thought he wouldn't have a career. And then James Cameron, which is sort of crazy when you think back, but obviously at that time, literally had done Piranha 2 this morning and been fired. Mm. But he says that he got into the room, met James Cameron, and you know he was immediately convinced because I've, I've met James Cameron and he has this, this thing about him where there's an intensity and there's a no-nonsense. Have you interviewed him? I haven't, no. It's just, it's really like, you could, like there's a, 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 a fierce intelligence there and a real sort of like, what do we need from this? What do you want? Mm. Da, 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 really kind of like, like almost a machine-like efficiency, but nice at the same time, but scary on the surface. Certainly watching all the behind the scenes across both these films, he, he lets everyone know he could do their job better than they can. And everyone seems to agree that he could do their job better than they can. Mm. So I think it's quite terrifying being in his presence. And I think he had the hardest time on Aliens where he got he was surrounded by people, a British yeah. crew who didn't know who he was yeah. and did not want to be told that he could do their job better. And that was like all the revolts that happened on that shoot. Mm. Uh, so finally, uh, for Sarah Connor, uh, the script described her. And this is a description in the script. Vicky is pretty in a flawed, accessible way. Jesus Christ, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Already fuck off. <laughs> Thought you'd like that. You've got the next bit, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I've got the next bit. It gets yeah, yeah. better. Uh, she doesn't stop the party when she walks in, but you'd like to get to know her. Her vulnerable quality masks a strength she doesn't know exists. <laughs> Every time. Pretty, but she doesn't know it. That's, that's basically that. Every single fucking time. That's really upset me. Because T2, she's so fucking brilliant, and that's in the writing, and ugh, maybe he's making amends for that. I don't know. I mean, you have to talk about... He's got a good legacy of putting strong female characters on screen. Yeah, yeah. So this was this was something he wrote down and probably didn't realise. It's, you know... What a load of bullshit. <laughs> But yeah. she is a very different person at the end of the film than she is at the start. This is talking about her at the start of the film, isn't mm. it? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be all right. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I, just, I tell you what, nothing surprises me. So. Yeah. All right, then. So Linda Hamilton says Jennifer Jason Lee was the other main contender, but Michael Bean says it was uh, Rosanna Arquette, who he screen tested with before Hamilton. Uh, apparently, Arquette wanted $250,000, and that was deemed too much. So Hamilton gets the role and famously does not get on with James Cameron on the set. She says, Jimbo and I did not get along very well. I left the Terminator saying, 
That man is definitely rooting for the machines. <laughs> he was not geared towards the human experience. He's the only person I've ever taken off the set and yelled at. Everybody could hear me. I just blew up. I was like, if you want to see a human being on screen, you'd better start treating me like a human being. I like Linda Hamilton a lot. He's great. Right, that's pretty much it. Uh, all that's left to say is it made $80 million on a budget of six and a half. It was the 11th highest grossing movie of 1984. Just for fun. Any guess what was the highest? Ghostbusters. That's at number three, but <laughs> you can pretend it's number one. Beverly Hills Cop. That's number two. 1984. Oh, we Come did this on. the other week. Yeah, yeah we bloody this. did. <sighs> Indiana Jones and, uh, and the <laughs> Temple of Doom. <laughs> hey! Oh, how quick thou forgets. Uh, so, yeah. The only other thing, sorry, worth mentioning just before we crack into the movie is that uh, I don't remember there being this controversy where uh, Harlan Ellison uh, won a case um, against the Terminator saying it ripped off his Outer Limits episode, which was called Soldier, which is about two people, soldiers from the future, which get thrown back in time and then continue their battle in 1964. That's the thing when you have a dream, isn't it? Sometimes you're like, oh, what was I watching on telly? (laughs) (laughs) I watched it. I did too. Yeah. I mean, there are similarities, aren't there? Comes back, shoots up a police car, taken to a psychiatric hospital where they realise that he's sort of this ultimate fighting machine. Little things, though, like the electricity, the lightning, when they disappear into the time vortex, mm. it's like, that's that's sort of weirdly familiar. The thing that's not in... Uh, the weirdest thing about Soldier is that in the future, he says that they use um, cats for reconnaissance. Sorry, cats... Right, okay. All right, just all right, yep, yeah, okay. And communicate via telepathy. And interestingly, in the nineteen eighty two Cameron Scriptman in the future, it's the dogs that can detect when Terminators are around. So the dogs is what keep them keeps them alive. They can tell when someone's a human, when someone's That's a That's in the movie, yeah. 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 So he even used the cat thing. <laughs> the only thing that's really different is it's sort of like I think it's set in like the year. Like 3,000, it's like way, way, way in the future, uh, this Outer Limits episode. <laughs> and it's because it's it's actually made in the 60s. There's a soldier on the battlefield and he's got all this high-tech gear on, like 60s props, but high-tech gear. And he's sort of looking around and the voiceover is like, soldier of the future. And then he just sort of goes, <sighs> and lights up a cigarette <laughs> on the battlefield. You think, that probably wasn't happening then in the future. Anyway, that's me done. Shall we crack on with the movie? Yes. So we start in 2029 after this break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
So we're here in 2029. <laughs> uh, no narration, V, but mm. text on screen. I don't think we've ever discussed your feelings on text. Uh, this text is incredible because the writing is good and it's uh, it's not just purely descriptive, descriptive but also lyrical. So yeah, I'm, I'm all right with text on screen, I guess. I like the addition of tonight. Yeah, at the end, it gives it honestly yeah. a real immediacy, like yeah. as opposed to just sort of going, the battle happens now. Yeah. in the present. Tonight, you're yeah, like, draws you in. Hell, away. I'm glad I'm watching the movie because it's happening tonight. <laughs> yeah. Thank God we caught this screening. I wonder if the text tomorrow goes, it happened last night. <laughs> but yeah, that's really good. Uh, it starts like T2 does. Uh, skulls crushed underfoot by the tracks of a hunter-killer. Uh, although we don't see the endoskeletons this time because that is a surprise for later. Um, I really love the model work here. I actually find the future stuff in Terminator scarier than the future stuff in T2 because it doesn't have that gloss. Mm. And because the way the aircraft moves... It's like, I think it must be stop motion. It's so juddery. Mm. It actually accentuates its machine-like quality. And a lot of it is exactly what he did on Escape from New York. We were talking about him doing the effects work there mm. in terms of using false perspective and front and rear screen projection. And yeah, he just, you know, he's learned his trade and he's, he, yeah, he, he makes whatever this film costs, $6 million, look like a lot more. Yeah, that's for sure. And it's, yeah, it's, I, I, I really like the future stuff. And then, of course, we get... What a score. Mm. Brad Fidel. I love half the score. I love that bit of the score Mm. and the sad bits, but the chase stuff I really don't like in either film. There's this tinny chase music that I find really takes me out of the movie. Oh, I didn't notice it. I didn't notice it. I always thought that didn't bother me. Okay, okay. I'll have to listen to the chase stuff. So uh, one thing I want to clear up right at the top, Cyberdyne Systems... Series 800, Model 101. This genuinely bugged me for so long because mm. he's talked about as a T800 yeah. and then a 101. It is confusing. Right. Yeah. Do you want to know what the actual thing is? Yeah. The end, if it's quick. It's very quick. The endoskeleton is the T800 and the 101 element is the skin on the outside. Uh, right. So the Arnie exterior skin is Model 101. So he's exactly right. the same model in two. Because he says he's model 101 in two, and I yes. thought, oh, is that, does that mean he's different? So it's all the same. No, but you Fine. know the, when you see the future thing and there's an infiltration unit that gets into yep. the human base. And that's which, different. Right, so yep. that's his, in real life, that's his mate, Franco Colombo, another Mr. Olympia. But, so he'd be a T-800 infiltration mm-hmm. unit, endoskeleton, but the skin would be like a model 102 or 103 or whatever. Okay. So that is the explanation Good. done. Useful, thank you. No worries. Whew, I'm glad we sorted that out. Uh, Arnie appears. I know over the years we've laughed at Arnie's acting in some situations. Mm. He looks the most evil I think I've ever seen him look when he stands up. He looks incredible, mm-hmm. yeah. like naked and menacing. Yeah. And that's not just like, he's, I, I don't think he's just like, pull a stern expression. I think there's something that like, he's really something got into this on. character. Yeah. yeah. You see his term in Wiener. It's so weird. <laughs> so I have questions about that. It. When he's walking towards um, the punks... Right, yeah. He it's flapping away, <laughs> Flap, mm. slapping each thigh as he walks towards himself. Yeah, it's a in big, H- big, big H- thing. In HD, you can see oh, a lot you more. See everything. Than, yeah, no, I than I could see on everything. video recorded off Channel Four. Yeah, this is much better. Mm, yeah. So, what does that mean for these infiltration units? Why? Why is a machine going? I'm going to make the the skin of a Terminator complete with male genitalia. 
That's a good question. So they can infiltrate any situation. That is my thinking exactly. Yeah. I, I think these infiltration units are so like, designed that they could strike up a relationship with a female human yeah. and potentially or, engage in, you know. Or if you're hunting someone down, say, in a Russian bathhouse. Bang. Like the start of Red Heat. Good mm. point. You can flap around and people mm. will be like, He's that's, one of us. That's, yeah. that's human. Yeah. But no, the way he moves, everything about it, he's like a shark. He's like a predator. The way he sort of doesn't, he's not really looking where he's going. Like um, that sort of blank look, that focus he's got. Yeah. That that sort of, he moves quite efficiently. There's sort of a, there's no waste of energy. Like it's a really, really, just physically, it's a brilliant performance. Yeah. He's great here. Mm. He's great. I think it's amazing. And uh, he meets the punks, including our uh, recognised. Yay! Yeah, no, I couldn't yeah. believe it. Don't remember that. Hello, Bill. <laughs> mm, yeah. So Bill Paxton's there. Yep. And that means you know Bill is the only person in cinema to have. Do you know what the record he holds is? The cool record he has. Nicest person. He's the only actor to be killed by an alien, a predator, and a terminator. <laughs> it's a really cool fact. <laughs> oh shit! Of course, predator two, yeah, hey, in the train on the yep. subway, yeah. Shit, that's great. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, so he gets his heart ripped out <laughs> uh, in this by a Terminator. Then Kyle Reese arrives in 1984. Love the fact that he lands so clumsily because yeah. it immediately sets him up as the underdog. Yeah. You know, Arnie lands perfectly, unfurls, and Kyle just like lands on his fucking yeah. ass. In that original scriptment, two of them get sent back, and one of them appears like on a fire in a fire hydrant and dies because they've just appeared in the wrong place and it's it's killed them. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Or half killed them and then and then Kyle Reese has to finish them off. But um That's so weird. That 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 must that idea visually must scare you because that's not far off Superman, Superman 3. 3 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um what was that awful awful Cloverfield movie set on a space station the Cloverfield paradox or something was yeah, that what it was Yeah, you've told me about this where, where someone's in the oh, ship. Yeah, the yeah. ship appears yeah. and she's trapped in all the wires. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. Did that did that remind you of yes, Superman 3? Yes. It did. Um I will say I like the simplicity of time travel here that it's just lightning and they've travelled through time. No more explanation. I love that in a movie. Don't bother trying to explain to me because mm. it doesn't friggin' exist. You don't need to make something up. Yeah. You know, I think Back to the Future even goes over the top with the exp explanation. It's lightning and you're here. Let's move on. All right, then. Sure. <laughs> uh, see. I'm like a dog now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll move on. I'll move on. Um, so, Carl Reese, uh, he steals, steals a homeless guy's trousers. And, yep. and wears them for the whole movie. Yeah, smell of piss, done that. Um, even though he's in a thrift store surrounded by alternate trousers, he... <laughs> alternate trousers. Mm, he, he goes, "I'll just, I'll just take these Nikes, and that'll be it." Interesting. Uh, those Nike vandals. Um, <laughs> this is such a ridiculous thing. So, for Terminator Genesis, because obviously Carl Reese comes back in that, it's played by Jai Courtney, and um, they asked Nike to recreate the vandals, and Nike went, "We don't make them anymore." So they sort of modified some existing trainers and the costume designer went, nope, that's not good enough. I'm going to need you to make the actual Nike vandals. It's what the fans want. So Nike started rebuilding, recreating the uh, the Nike vandals and everyone was happy in the end. And you think, if you'd spent that amount of time on the rest of the fucking movie, <laughs> then it might have been... We're not going to talk totally about these better. films, are we? <laughs> No, there's too much. There's too much horrible stuff to say. Uh, so uh, then we meet Sarah Connor. She's 
kind of pretty in a flawed, accessible way. Mm. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't really stop the party. She's not allowed <laughs> to be pretty. Just, why does it matter what she looks like? <laughs> uh, I, I don't like the music. I, if you're talking about the score, it's funny because it just turns like there's a woman here and she's lovely. It sounds like the theme to Cheers is what it's yeah. 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 You know, but she is she is accessible. You know, she talks to big buns. That's accessible. I'm sorry. What's my moment? I hate that. I hated that. What does she say? Hold them for me. Or what? What is she saying? Watch my bike, big buns. Watch it for me, big buns. Yeah. But it's all to set up that she's lovely. So when the kids, although this would never happen in real life, but when a child puts a big blob of ice cream in her apron. She doesn't go ballistic. She's like, oh, shucks, kid. Why did you have to do that to me today? Mm. So she's nice. That's the first thing about this film you said wouldn't happen in real life. Oh, yeah, that's, God, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They that's, don't waste ice cream. I'm sorry, but they don't. That's the scene that took me out of the movie. It really did. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't clocked that, but yeah, 100% that would not happen. There's a deleted scene where she even in the, she puts a waitress outfit on and uh, looks in the mirror and goes, Sarah just looks so wholesome. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah, it's a strange scene. So then uh, I really do like I do like the way Cameron captures downtown LA because this is 1984 and downtown LA was like rough as houses back then. And I think it's really cool. You sort of believe that Carl Reese and like the, these guys could be sort of wandering around this area with shotguns and, you know, with an ineffectual police force. They um, are ineffectual aren't they? because he does. Carl Reese uh, relieves the police of their guns very easily. Mm-hmm. And you think training would be definitely lock your car and lock it if it's got a gun in it almost definitely. Mm-hmm. But he's just like, I love that. I love that. I love that. And Sarah, meanwhile, is oblivious to the fact while she's at work that Arnie is buying uh, a shit ton of guns. This scared me so much. Including an Uzi 9mm. Yeah. Because I know it's obvious, but what Carl Reese says about him later is he, he, Arnie is so good at the, you know, he's relentless and he's basically silent and he's remorseless. And this is the point at the film when I was 13. I was like, he's just going to do whatever he wants. He's going to kill everybody. And not and not even a flicker of emotion. And a gunshot man, you know, is not the most. I don't know. How do you feel about a gunshot man? Where you're like, you don't, obviously don't deserve to die, but you are selling him loads of guns. And the thing about there's a 15 day wait on handguns, but you can have a rifle right now. And they're like into the in the UK, you're like that's mad. Like that doesn't make any sense. But it just frightened me to death. This innocent shopkeeper. And that's when I realised that it was never going to stop. And then when we, we'll talk about it later, but when we get to when Ginger dies, like that just, that fucked me up for such a long time. It, it makes it worse that it's Dick Miller as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I almost think like some of these scenes, they're not written for laughs and they're not played for laughs, but they are funny. Mm. Like it's funny the way he, the, what he says in that, in that shop. It's funny when he goes uh, plasma rifle, 40 watt range. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like asking for a future gun. Yeah. And, um, I, what you're saying is so right. I think w- what James Cameron really does in all the chase stuff, it it feels like that they're never going to get away. Mm. Like, like it, it, you really feel like this is a pointless exercise. Why are you even bothering to run? Because yeah. it will always get you. And mm. it sets 
Arnie up as like that relentless thing so well. Yeah. And that's the slasher element of it. Mm. Which is also why uh, Ginger and her boyfriend have to die because they want to have sex and mm. they do sexy talk on the phone. Oh, good that point. sexy talk on the phone is mm. so funny. Mm. I love the script for that, like to, to button it with the same joke where he's like trying to talk dirty to the wrong person on the phone and then just does it again. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. But obviously a major trope of slasher movies, if you're going to have sex, you are going to die. And if you are going to have sex with headphones on, you're really going to die. Yeah, I can't decide what I think about that. I think she's got the right idea. Actually. Yeah, no, I, I do that all the time, but I'm listening to Clash of the Titles when I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, I feel weird and I need a shower. I makes me go make, home make, now. <laughs> makes me go quicker. <laughs> What's wrong with you today? Is this has football done this to you? Can we talk about her strange post-sex snack? Yeah, we can. No, there's nothing wrong with it. I was like, good for you. you... How much milk do you want to drink? It's too much upsetting. This is a big plate of food. They've obviously been very energetic. Is it all for her? No, I think she wants to share it. I mean, look outside the milk. Like she's got, she's she's got celery with peanut butter spread down the middle. Mm, Little yeah. peanut butter celery sticks. Yeah. That looks delicious. Yep. I mean, I think to go back to uh, listening to Clash of the Titles while you make love, or indeed any music, wouldn't it put you out of rhythm? Like, sort of sex is all about well, rhythm. Because you'd be trying to dance as well. <laughs> she does. Like, she's always. She seems to be jiggling a bit, like sort of in time to the music, as opposed to in time. Yeah, to I suppose to maybe they've pre-agreed the tracks that she will listen <laughs> would to. You, would you be listening to the Macarena? <laughs> Why are you turning round? <laughs> But I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> it's like Wakefield. <laughs> Good. Now we get to see a glimmer of Sarah Connor's uh, resourcefulness and how she, uh, you know, she, she's not just accessible. Uh, <laughs> because when she's in the bar, she suddenly sort of sees a news report, Sarah Connors are being killed, and of her own volition, no one goes, hey, you should think about doing this. She goes to the phone book and realises herself Ooh, that they're being killed in order. You like that. I hated that scene. Don't Why? Need, you don't need it. She's already been told that two people called Sarah Connor have been killed, so she can make the leap without you having to see. Also, we've had a lot of shots of a phone book. I don't need another one. There's a lot of phones in this for yeah. for a period where we didn't have mobile phones. And also, which I'm I'm not it's not being snarky, it's just it'd be interesting if we saw how how does Carl Reese know to use a payphone and know what a phone book is? Because he's from the year twenty twenty nine. But as we saw John Connor, mm. who's his mentor. Will have told him? Probably. Yes, Giving okay. him, him all this intel. Okay, fine. That's I just wondered, you know, how he knew. I think he even mentions that he'd researched Sarah and he researched this time okay. period and I don't think you need mm. to see her. You can see a, a look on her face is like, oh, I get what's going on now. She doesn't need to look down the phone book. Mm. I'd honestly that's the but it's nitpicky because it's a really brilliant, brilliant film, obviously. So Yeah, it is a bit nitpicky, but yeah. you know, that's why we and by we I mean you are here. <laughs> um Technoir. Uh, I love technology. Right? <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Can we go there? I really wish we could go there. Yeah, me too. It looks like a lot of fun. And you can get a seat if you want it. I mean, that's a big thing for me these days. Like, yep. if you want to sit down, no problem. Yeah, I didn't actually come across the term uh, tech noir before this, but it's uh, it is a, it's a it's a combination of film noir and science fiction. It's an actual term that people use. It presents the idea of technology as a destructive and dystopian force that threatens every aspect of our reality. Had you come across tech noir? No, but I love that. Cameron actually uh, coined it in this movie with the club tech noir. Brilliant. So I was watching this. Kyle leaves it rather late to step in and stop Arnie from killing Sarah. He's Arnie has got a gun. 
pointed <laughs> at Sarah before Carl Reese jumps up. And I then I realised that he doesn't know that Arnie is the Terminator. He does say that, doesn't he? Like, I had to wait for him to do something yeah. before I knew. Yeah, because he's a proper good infiltration unit. A big shootout looks great. Still now, like you watch a lot of 80s shootouts now and in with the modern lens, you're like, ah, it looks a bit dated. This looks fucking awesome. Yeah, it's really good. And it's brutal. Like, There's a bit where an innocent bystander is like pinning Sarah Connor to the floor and she's dead and she can't get a body off her. And it's like, that's terrifying. Mm. That's really good. And it, it's the first time I realised how much he uses slow motion across both these films. His sense of geography is really good, but also he uses slow motion in almost every action scene. Mm. And he just knows how to make it work. I, I would say that was lazy, just keep doing that. But he, he manages to eke out extra tension by doing that. There's a little bit where in the slow-mo, I know they did weapons training, but Michael Bean, he's like, Ugh! when he's firing the shotgun, like he's got a real, I'm firing a gun face <laughs> on. And it's like a bit of a gurn going on, like <laughs> desperately trying not to make the sounds. Uh, I've got some good news. Uh, Technoir is a Brighton-based house music club. Um <laughs> Features the best new quality underground house and uplifting tech house played by some of Brighton's best DJs, plus guests from the international house scene. So Great. we can go to Tech Noir. That's brilliant news. Uh, that sounds absolutely amazing, apart from the music. <laughs> <laughs> How important is that to a club experience? Uh, I guess it does have tech in the name, so... <sighs> Come with me if you want to live. Nicely repeated in T2 mm -hmm. for the first time here. Car chase is amazing. In-camera car chases. Oh, so sexy. Uh, and you get exposition during car chase. I was going to ask you about this because you yes. do get some exposition during uh, a car chase. You get you get a lot of exposition. You get exposition not on the move, obviously a bit later, but you get a lot of exposition on the move. I think these are quality chalk talks. Well, I was going to say about that because obviously chalk talk... It's uh, I like it. exposition, as you've established your new term, Chris, exposition that happens in front of a chalkboard. Uh, now, when they're in the car park, parked up, and uh, Kyle Reese is uh, telling Sarah all about the future, obviously that can't be chalk talk they're in a, in a car park. Would that be a multi-story? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. What's a fucking build-up? <laughs> 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 I felt Chris would love it. No, it's really good. It's really good. I was just trying to think of something to rhyme with park, but I, I couldn't get there. That's why I arrived at multi-story. Trust me, I went through a lot of iterations before I got there. This has been thought through. Um, yeah, this exposition is great. I feel that the Matrix mm. owes a little bit of a debt to this exposition and the way it's delivered. It reminds me of Morpheus's speech um, to Neo in the desert of the real. I think it's really good and it's got a really ominous tone to mm. it. Listen and understand the Terminator is out there. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead. Brilliant speech. I mean, if you have to ensure that people at this point are terrified of your big bad, that'll do it. Yeah, well, if you watch the trailer, trailer voice guy just does that speech rather than say anything else. That is chilling. Yeah. It's a great speech. Um, now, Sarah appears to come round quite quickly yeah. to the idea that this is all true and Kyle is for real. Yeah. I have a question, because I, I think for the movie, it works. It's brilliant because you're like, I hate that bit where you, you know it's real. Mm. And she's like, no, I don't believe it. No, I don't believe yeah. it. Yeah. And you cut all that out and she's like, fine, I'm in. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Do you think she actually believes it there or she's playing along? Oh, that's a good question, Vicky. I think she believes it. Mm. I think she does. I mean, I think she's just seen a man rise from the grave. Mm -hmm. 
So I think all bets are off from that point onwards. I just couldn't work it out in the police station when she's watching him sort of ranting about destroying the time machine and all of sure. that. I think, she, I think she is flip-flopping. I agree with you. I think she's got her doubts because everyone around her t- is telling her this is, this is not true. Yeah. And so I think she's having her doubts. So I think she does flip-flop a little bit, but I think in that but moment. at that moment. Yeah. 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 Uh, we meet Dr. Silberman, already an arsehole, uh, already uh, brilliant. What a character. Mm. What a wonderful character. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, while we're in the police station, the Terminator is cutting out its eye. Oh, God. Uh, Vicky got something in her eye earlier while we were waiting for you. It wasn't a bug. It was an eyelash, apparently, but I think it was a bug. <laughs> she didn't want to say it was a bug in her eye. But I know you're funny about eyes. I'm really funny about it. So when he peels his arm, I was, you know, the 13-year-old me was like, this is too much, I can't bear it. And grown up me was like, whoa, fucking hell, this is like everything. And then I'd forgotten that he did it because I must have blanked it out when I was younger. And I, I saw him go for his eye and mm. it's like, please don't, please don't, please don't. And I, I just couldn't watch it. I can't watch Even it. Even this time? Yep. Closed my eyes it until is, it was it over. Is, I think it's it's one of the most memorable moments. I yep. remembered it as the most squeamish moment in the film. It's horrendous. It's, it's the film where he looks the most artificial, I yeah. think, as well. But I don't mind it so much because it right. reminds me that he's a machine. He's a robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's fine. So... Yeah, it reminds me, he's not a bloke. I but, um, actually look forward to this bit. I was like, oh, this mm, is the bit yeah. where it's like model Arnie's head, like prosthetic yeah. Arnie. And because he looks quite pallid and mm. sick, that that just adds to everything. And also, I loved looking at some of that. I've got a great book uh, by Stan Winston about how he did a lot of his effects. And he, of course, worked on both Terminator movies. And some I like it when it's practical, but you don't realise it is. With the hand, with the arm, when it becomes a robotic arm, how they, how they move the fingers is they made an arm like a glove for a small woman with a small hand. And she put her hand in the arm and wiggled the fingers. Cool. So it's underneath, underneath the rope. She's underneath right. the robotic side. So it's really simple. That's great. Yeah. In camera effects like that. Oh, I miss them. A lot in Terminator 2 as well. A lot more than I realised until yeah. doing this uh, analysis. Yeah. I mean, we've already, we talked about in the Total Recall episode, Arnie has the perfect head to make a prosthetic head out of. Uh, his prosthetic heads look way more convincing than most. Yeah, and 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 they did take uh, 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 Pepe Mache, what do you call it? They took one of his of his actual head. So when you're seeing that exoskeleton, that is the same shape as his skull. Mm. They've they've not left anything to chance there. Not that you'd ever notice as a viewer, but that is his what his skull looks like. Mm. Yeah, love the ice scene. Back in the police station, Lance Henriksen playing against type here. He's yeah. basically playing a role that uh, Paul Reiser would go on to play in Aliens. It's basically the Burke character, the wise-cracking, yeah. you know, guy. But mm. he's uh, quite enjoying it. Yeah, I do. It's just weird to see him do it. Um, and it, it, I'm not sure what that what that character is supposed to be like contributing in that space. So, but Cameron talks a lot about this. There was a lot more from them in like that he took out of the movie. There was in the tech noir scene. It kept coming back to them, sort of looking for Sarah at the same time. And in the police shootout. Uh, uh, Traxler, uh, the lieutenant, his superior. Yeah. Um, you actually see a death scene with him where he hands Kyle his gun and goes, "Whatever you, you've got, do whatever it takes to keep her alive." Because he has now, having seen Arnie storming the police station and killing everyone, is convinced that mm. Kyle was actually telling the truth. So here's a big sort of turnaround. Uh, Cameron actually says uh, about it. Uh, is the moment uh, is the moment important to the story? No, it makes him a better character, but I don't think it improves the story. And that was the kind of decision making that went into removing that scene. It's good, efficient man, Cameron. Yeah. So the whole storming of the police station. Um, just before then, we get another glimmer here 
of Sarah being quite a tough cookie because when she's told by Trexler that Ginger's dead, mm. she immediately goes, do you want me to identify the bodies? Yeah. Which I think is quite... Wow, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's sort of Dark. like she's not being asked to. It's like we don't need someone. She's like, I'm, I, I've got enough strength to come and identify those bodies for you, which I think is pretty strong. Well, yeah, they've got, they've got to get it. her changing, haven't they? She's got it. She's got to start changing yeah. quite soon. Yeah, that's such a good point. And uh, and also, it's not her who asks when Kyle's ranting about the future on the TV screen. It's not her that asks for it to be switched off. It's yeah. one of the other officers mm. who goes, "Turn that off." Yeah, and she's like, "Fine with it." So we do start to see the Sarah Connor we become to know. I'll be back. <laughs> Why did that become the I have line? No idea. It makes I just, I just don't, I don't know. get it. It's nothing. I it's, know. It's kind of funny. You laugh when you're watching it, but it's um, not like a common phrase. I mean, we say it all the time, but it's not like oh, the robot's doing something we all do and making it sound. It's funny because I watched it with someone who'd never seen it before, didn't know what was coming, and and um, that you laugh because coming back. From this guy, we know is going to be bad. This <laughs> yes. is not normal, and yeah. so that's why the audience kind of nervously laughs. And actually, Cameron said in test screenings, people laughed in that moment, and that's when they knew the film was working because they got where this guy was coming from. But for that exact reason, that's why it's funny because it's not—it's it's such an, an innocuous remark. Like, I'll, I'll, I, I'll come I, back then. But I also don't understand, like you know, this guy on the front desk, like everyone knows that Sarah Connor is incredibly important. So if a guy looking like that, talking like that, dressed like that, comes in and asks for her, yeah. I think you raise some kind of alarm. You don't just yeah. shrug it off. Yeah. Well, for, uh, as I just said, I mean, the line was originally, I'll come back. Cameron then changed it in the script to I'll be back. And it was Arnie and Cameron's biggest argument while making this, because Schwarzenegger says, our biggest disagreement was about I'll be back. I was arguing for... I will be back. I felt the line would sound more machine-like and menacing without the contraction. So uh, in the end, Cameron went, no, it's, it's I'll, I'll, say I'll, I'll. And, <laughs> and he says, I wasn't ready to let it go. We went back and forth, back and forth. Finally, Jim yelled, look, just trust me, okay? I don't tell you how to act and you don't tell me how to write. What a long day on set that would have been. <laughs> just two men shouting at each other. <sighs> uh, either way, uh, Cameron was right because it became Arnie's big lie. He is right, though, to be fair to him, because if, the, if there's anything... In that, it's a robot pretending to be a human. So you use a contraction because you want to appear normal, in quote marks, in that moment, then buttoned with driving a car into someone. So that's the contrast works. If you, I'm, I will be back, robot, do a crazy robot thing, doesn't work, does it? He's right. Yeah. Of course is. he is. Of course he's bloody right. Yeah. But I guess if someone said, uh, if I asked for someone and they said they're not there, I said, oh, I'll come back. That's, that's what I would say, which yeah. is what you had in the original script. Yeah, I mean, either way, it is what it is. But the whole police station destruction is that really, really... I mean, obviously, he's playing on these horror tropes in this movie because it's a horror movie. Um, but the destruction of the police force, that kind of last bastion of safety that we all think is there, is something that happens in so many horror movies. And again, here, you lose the police. You sort of like, well, you really are on your own now. There's no one who's going to come and step in at the last minute and help you out. Uh, so they go on the run. Uh, interesting deleted scene mm. where Sarah says she wants to go and blow up. She finds the address in the phone book, uh, another phone book moment, for Cyberdyne Systems and goes, we should just go end it now by blowing up Cyberdyne Systems. Yeah. 
Which is obviously terminated too. Yeah, he tells her not to, says it's totally dangerous. She perseveres. They basically have a huge row, don't they? Have a huge argument. She chases yeah. him down. He has a bit of a breakdown. Bit weird, the breakdown. The breakdown's a bit weird. Not yeah, comfortable yeah. with the breakdown. He basically goes, it's all too fucking beautiful. I wasn't meant to see all this. What, he, like the real world? Yeah. yeah he's they're, in, they're, gra- in the, they're in some woods. Yeah, he's seen right. grass and trees for the first time. And he picks he, up a blade of grass with a flower in the end. He goes, it's too beautiful. I can't see this. I don't belong here. Yeah. I wasn't meant to see this. But but as you say, I mean, it literally is the plot of Terminator 2. Mm. Um, because she wants to stop running, take control, turn the tables on the robots. So it's smart. I wonder if he did have that in the back of his mind, though. That he'd get a sequel. Yeah, that I can definitely. I can. Yeah. I can. Hold I mean, this. the whole thing is set up as a sequel. I mean, because there's a deleted scene at the end where the a couple of blokes from Cyberdyne are picking up the microprocessor. Oh, is right. that a deleted scene? Yeah. I didn't know they shot that. That was in the scriptment. It's a great twist. Yeah. It would so, have been a great ending. Yeah, you see them uh, after Sarah's being carried off in an ambulance at the end and they're standing there and a police officer goes, hey, I told you guys not to touch anything until we finished. And the guy just sort of goes, yeah, I won't. And then hands it to his colleague and goes, get that down to R&D immediately. Uh-huh. And so that's... And uh, then you come out and you see that it's Cyberdyne where they've yeah. been the whole time. Yeah. Uh, it's too, it's a bit too coincidental. A little bit. Because they end up there by accident. And it's That's true. It's that's true. But it, it suddenly makes sense about the microprocessor that we see in Terminator 2, which has never been mentioned before, mm. apart from that in, delete, uh, in that deleted scene. So, yeah. Uh, so they're on the run. Uh, Carl teaches how to make bombs. She's turning into the uh, Sarah we know in T2. Uh, I do like the bit where they hide in the freezer and she goes, I am absolutely freezing. And he doesn't give her his coat. No, I'm, yeah. <laughs> My missus got super annoyed about that. <laughs> Why is he so she's gone she jumped so cold and he puts his arm around her with his big warm coat on. Classic Reese. Like, I couldn't believe it. It's just such a weird moment because no one watched that and go, did you not watch that and go, a bit odd? I actually yeah. didn't know this. It's set up for the jacket moment and he it doesn't is. do it. it is. I mean, he's not been around many women and the women he has been around eat rats. <laughs> and, and they watch... They watch televisions that just have fire in oh them. Oh my god, that is I can't think about that without feeling like I'm gonna cry. It's the saddest thing I've ever seen. No. It's the bleakest thing I've ever seen. I think I think we're imprinting on that. Because I thought that I think the first time I watched that, I was like, oh, that's crazy that they sort of still remember TV, but they're just watching fire in the TV. It's because it's it's a good place to light a fire for warmth. Okay. They, the they literally have channels now that are just a roaring fire. So <laughs> uh so yeah, um talking of uh, you know, Carl not giving her his jacket uh, he might not give her his jacket but he will give her a lot to fucking unpack i <laughs> fucking love you i've memorized every curve i love you i came across time for you sarah Aww. i mean what do you do with that <laughs> how do you reply to that i'm a virgin and also did you notice that you know the rom-com not reach around reach around mm-hmm. so they do that they have that moment where he says to her screw the end cap on very gently <laughs> come on uh, in the scriptment, she says, is there someone special in your time? Do you have a woman in your time? And here she says, what are the women like in Such your time? Such a weird question. <laughs> yeah, What's get, that supposed I, to mean? I get her asking him if yeah. she's got a... If he's Covered got in a, fur, a tails, <laughs> whiskers. <laughs> what are women like? I mean, rats and TV fires. I thought fires. she was going to... It was a weird thing to be like, I don't know, are they easy? Or are they like... I thought she was going to say, I want to sleep with you now. Mm. Is that all right? Because is that what you're accustomed she, to kind of thing? She's just... She's basically... She doesn't want to say, have you got someone? Because that's too on the nose so she's going about it like with a sort of an, a, an abstract kind of question what are the women like in case he volunteers the information well my wife whoa <laughs> nothing compared to you though shall we <laughs> uh, um, 
I do not like this bit. Nope. The sex scene no. is really awful. Oh, the yeah. music is so <laughs> terrible. The Terminator score played on a piano slowly should never be a thing, especially not over sex. What's the wrong with the set? I mean, it's just a lot of hands on a sheet, isn't it? Like It's the score more than anything else. It's like... Because they love each other or something. Yeah, I know. I think it's setting up this idea that we loved more in those two nights than yes. people having a lifetime. Yeah, if you thought you were going to die. Do, do, uh, fucking go go at it. I was like, <laughs> don't fucking like, mess about. What, what soundtrack was the, is that? What was the clapping for? That's the slapping of... Okay. Terminator. All right, come on. Right then. Question. Kyle does not know he's John Connor's dad. John never tells him. Does he? No. He doesn't know. He does not know. Which makes it strange at the end where she's like, I'm recording this for you, John, so you can maybe tell your dad when you meet him in so many years' time, it will possibly help him. And John still goes, I probably won't. (laughs) John does address it um, when he's talking to the Terminator in Terminator 2, which we'll talk about. Oh, we go to. He does does bring it up. But yeah, clearly John has decided not to tell Kyle Mm. uh, the truth. I I mean, the the more you think about it, what, what, what... what John Connor's done, the stranger it gets as well. You know, he's given a, he's, he gives him the photo of the, like of the woman that he's wants him to impregnate. Mm. So this is, this is homework. But hasn't it already oh, happened? <laughs> but it's already happened because otherwise John Connor wouldn't exist. Yes, so then that we get is our that. predestination paradox. Yeah, uh, we're into the final chase, uh, which results in Kyle and Sarah's vehicle crashing and Terminator sting a tanker like in T2. Uh, Reese puts a pipe bomb, Carl Reese puts a pipe bomb in the tanker to blow it up yeah. and immediately jumps in a bin yeah. to protect himself. At this point, Sarah has no bin and is very Sarah, close to that tanker. I'd be like, so, all right, if you're hiding in a bin, <laughs> I think that might mean I'm in a bit of trouble here. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a risky move. You know, I'm <laughs> laying this one uh, close to the chest. Uh, the the endos- endoskeleton, exoskeleton? Endoskeleton. Endoskeleton, um, inspired by uh, Jim Henson's Dark Crystal. Wow. So, yeah, so Stan Winston watched that, saw what Henson was doing with puppets and decided, I want to do that, but make the first size, life-size animatronic articulated robot in movies. I want to do what he's doing, but with metal. And so that's that's where that was the inspiration came from. And but the thing they couldn't get it to do in the stop motion was to get it to walk like a human being or like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So that's why the Terminator's got an injured leg and is walking with a limp and dragging its leg because oh. they had to do that. Yeah, it's probably one of the scariest scenes in this movie, mm-hmm. at least for me, where they're trying to close the door and the stop motion endoskeleton. T-800 chassis is moving in that terrifyingly unreal, real fashion mm-hmm. towards the door. I love that. I love that. Yeah, uh, it looks like the Grim Reaper as well, basically. He's made, you know, the Terminator is death, and now with its flesh off, it, it actually looks like a metal death, or as uh, Cameron puts it, death rendered in steel. Fight in the factory. Kyle dies. Uh, Terminator crawls towards Sarah. The image Cameron had in the dream is finally made real on film. She slams it behind a grill and you get massive vibes from Aliens where the Queen Alien's mouth is trying to get into mm-hmm. the loader at the end like it just can't reach and it's snatching at her face. Yeah. Real Aliens vibes there. Terminator gets crushed. They, um, the that, was very, that was all improvised on set. They couldn't seem to get it right. The, the, the Terminator death wasn't working and so the press thing they came up with on, on, on the set and they had to improvise with some foam, some tin foil and... Um, Someone was smoking a fag offset and blowing it towards the robot. 
to, to make the steam come out. Really? Yeah. It's it's quite bizarre how this so, this scene in the in the scriptment though it was very different. What was that? So this is its original death as he did. This was this it. was the the original idea. Um, was that uh, part of the message that John Connor? You know the message that John Connor gives to, gives to his mum through through Carl Reese. At the end of the message, he says to her, "You must wait to strike until the red eyes and the green eyes meet." And she says to Carl, "What does that mean?" He says, "I don't know." And in the climax, when she's in the factory, she sees a control box with green lights um, above it and two unlit red buttons. And when the Terminator's red eyes come closer, the moment they align is when she presses the button. And that's what kills him. Oh. So it's a nice setup and payoff in terms of, again, we're in that, that causal loop where she knows how to kill the Terminator because she's done it and she's told her son, who's told Carl Reese, who's told her. Mm-hmm. So. It seems like an odd bit of information to be so fucking abstract about, though, John. I mean, yeah. like, press that, just, press uh, the yes. top button. Uh, There's going to be some controls to a crusher. <laughs> Smash those with your and fist, <laughs> and you'll be all right. I'm guessing that's Cameron figured that out himself, and it's just like, mm. that's why it's not in the movie, but interesting. Um, and then, uh, obviously, you know, bits of the Terminator get left behind. So, I mean, it's probably too big a thing to talk about. But those bits of the Terminator that get left behind allow Skynet to be built mm-hmm. for Skynet to then send the Terminator back. Mm-hmm. So was Skynet's plan not really even to kill Sarah Connor, or at least it was partly to kill Sarah Connor, but it was to send the Terminator back to have the bits left so it could be built? No, because it's already been built. Excellent news. Right then. <laughs> uh, I just, it gets, it starts to hurt a bit. I, ouch. Um, and then uh, that's pretty much it. Sarah drives off uh, with the fantastic line. There's a storm coming. That's what's done. I'll tell you a couple of things from that script that didn't make it into the movie. Mm. Um, in one scene, uh, the Terminator eats a milky bar in two bites without removing the wrapper. <laughs> I would have quite liked to see. But he doesn't need to eat though, does he? Maybe he's trying to look human. I don't know. I like the bit that I'd never picked up on before where the guy, the cleaner, is banging on his motel room door and he goes, well, you go in there, buddy, a dead cat. And you're like, oh, my God. So because his flesh is all yeah. rotting now. Oh, yes. mm. Yeah. Um, and also, when he kills each Sarah Connor, uh, once he's killed them, he peels off their skin on their leg oh. and then moves on to the next one. And the police can't figure out why it's this mystery. And it's because Sarah has two steel screws in her leg. <sighs> And so he's looking for that Sarah Connor. Mm. And then at the end of the movie, she hurts her leg and that's how she ends up with the steel screws. So he actually... Oh, d- yeah. He, but that's a mistake on the Terminator's part yeah, then because he didn't realise... he's in the realize... wrong part of time. Mm. Yeah. I will say, having watched... I think that was the moment that... Uh, having watched T2 first and then coming back to this, it is the moment where he kills that first Sarah Connor. He just rings a doorbell and shoots <gasps> her dead. In, oh, in two seconds. There's something horrible, like, horribly like, shit, that could just happen. Like, yeah. It's 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 so scary. That's what's scary about the Terminator, isn't it? Because it just it breaks every code. It breaks every law, but also just the code, even of like murderers, where you sort of think in your head, well, oh, you have to have been in the wrong place, quote marks, at the wrong time, or done something, or whatever. And the wrong place in the wrong time doesn't tend to be you opening your door because yeah. someone's rung the door. It's yeah. really scary. It really, really messed me up. That was the moment that I realised I was watching a very different kind of film. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is what? And the only other thing that hurt my brain was at one point, John Connor says to to um, Sarah that... When the dog flies backwards across the moon, <laughs> sorry, then the Terminator sorry. should be murdered. Car- sorry, Carl Reese says to, says to Sarah that John Connor was the only father figure he'd ever had. Yeah. Which gets really messy when you think that... That's his, his dad. That's his dad. Mm. Yeah. Shall we do the bits? 
Yeah. Yeah, you seem unsure. You got something else you want to throw? No, no, no. I, into I, the I mix? just I panicked. I thought I'd lost them, but they're here. <laughs> they're, 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 okay. I've got one more thing, just about the release. The studio didn't know what they had. They thought it was an exploitation film. They thought negative word of mouth would would sink it. And what happened was that, uh, Cameron showed it to the actors' agents who saw the potential, mm. wanted to get buzz going. Showed it to critics who loved it. And what surprised the studio most was it connected with as many women as men. Right, okay. This film, um, that's why it maintained its box office week after week. Uh, they reckon it connected because the story is of the least among us could be the most important person. The kind of people who don't turn heads when they walk into a yeah, car. Yeah, like me. <laughs> and, and they all talk about the fact that although it was a mod, it was a hit, it was video and cable that really made it. And, and Cameron said that every year that went by, uh, we didn't make a sequel. The demand for a sequel increased. I think he was very smart in the writing. In Because obviously you, you don't see the description of someone as being pretty in an accessible way because that's dog shit. But initially, Sarah Connor is special because of her biology and nothing more. She will have a baby. And it's like, he could have left it there. It's the 80s. No one would have cared. I mean, that's crap, but really no one would have made a fuss. Then later on, Carl Reese does say to her, it isn't just that you had a baby. You taught him to be a fighter and you taught him all that. And that's the, the sort of mother you were. And to give a female character that I was waiting for that moment I'd forgotten about that and you can imagine how angry I was when it's like oh she just pushes a baby out and then all that that's why you're special this this biology that you have no control over and whatever else but it's the way she raised him not just having him so you, like big tick for that obviously big tick yep should do it mm. yeah alright best scene Chris um, any scene where someone looks in a phone book <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I really like the tech noir sequence because I feel like it's the first moment where you realise uh, the power of this dude. And yeah, I think it's really well shot and I just really want to go to tech noir and, tech noir, and that's why we're going to Brighton soon. Brilliant. B? So it's, it's personal and it, I, it might not be the best scene in the film, but it is Ginger's death. Because the slow-mo, the fact that she's in, you know this, she's in a dressing gown. I don't ever want to die in a dressing gown. Jack Plant's Batman, worst cinema death ever. When I thought about watching this film again, and I haven't seen it since I was 13, all I could see was Ginger leaping forward with this fucking red dot on her back in this tiny dressing gown in this most relaxed... I mean, I didn't know what she'd really been up to, I suppose. But like, obviously, she's very relaxed and all the rest of it. And there's just nothing between her and there's nothing she can do. It's all so scary. I'm not even sure I want to talk about it anymore. Like, I did, but I get what you mean because my probably my best scene is uh, the first Sarah Connor's death, yeah. which isn't dissimilar to Ginger's in so much as it is just this like you have met your end and you were not expecting it, and, mm. and there's nothing you can do. Mm. It's just awful. Yeah, and it happens so quick as well. Yeah, there's no messing about. And you can't read like like he says you can't reason with him. There's nothing you can do to save yourself in this moment and it doesn't care. It's just awful. Mm. Uh, either that or I, I do enjoy the police station attack. It's uh of the gunfights. It's um it's just a guy like walking around. I like that. Uh MVWV. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Because um I think you cannot really, like, nowadays, maybe you might CGI that sort of monster, or even back then you might have puppeted most of it, but you need a human to do that sort of, to act that kind of level of, like, pure murder. And I don't think there's anyone better. And obviously with his, you know, his physical strength and the size of him, but the robot bit later on did not scare me as much as a man walking around coldly dispatching anything in his way. It just terrifies me still. I think he's amazing. Chris? I really like the kid who spoons ice cream into Sarah's pocket. <laughs> Not very the realistic. Most unrealistic though. depiction of a child ever. Yeah. Uh, no, what what Vicky said. Uh, that's three for three for Arnie as MVW then, because yeah, I think 
I think he's fantastic. He looks so evil, as I said at the start. And I think, you know, for someone who played, uh, it was clearly not vain, but body conscious and image conscious. And in Conan, he was a, a very beautiful specimen. And at the start of this, he's a very beautiful specimen. Then after he crawls through the fire when he's trying to catch Sarah and Carl for the first time, he gets his eyebrows burnt off and he looks terrifying, but yeah. also really ugly, mm. like an ugly sort of creature. Um, and I think that's, you know, there's no vanity in his performance. He's like, no, if it, for, the, yeah. for the role, I will do it. St Stan Winston does amazing work in this film, but Arnie is the best special effects. Yeah. And finally, change. V? So um, this this is a, such a small thing because this is obviously a bit pretty much a perfect film. So in Tech Noir, what we're playing on is that Sarah Connor doesn't know who's bad and who's good because she sees Kyle and she's nervous and she calls the police. Well, she has to pay to call the police, which seems very brutal, but whatever. So she's like, there's a man Can't following me. Yeah, she has to put a coin in. So Sarah doesn't know who's good and who's bad. And then we've got Arnie and Michael Bean in the scene. So maybe just one moment where she briefly gets it wrong and she thinks that Arnie is there to save her. Um, and that's it. Just do that because it's just taking the confusion. She's She's got the, you know, the wrong guy pegged mm. to the next level. What a very, very quick moment where she runs to him because he's bigger and he's going to save her from this other man, and she's got it completely wrong. That's in the script, man. Is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she. Thinks, God, I'm good. <laughs> she thinks she, she thinks the Terminator is the policeman. She's called, yeah. and uh, he then pulls out a gun. And the moment she realizes, is the moment Carl Reese shoots him. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're as good as James Cameron before he decided it wasn't. Wasn't. And he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're better than James Cameron or worse? Is it? Which one is it? Chris. Um, so they talk about this a lot behind the scenes, about the fact that the idea was that the Terminator is an infiltration unit. It's said in the film. So he's supposed to be able to easily infiltrate anywhere. So he's supposed to look like Lance Henriksen. Mm. Um, who you wouldn't look twice at. Yeah. Not the most incredible looking human being yeah. on the earth. <laughs> and so it's a real problem. And that's why initially Cameron was worried about casting Schwarzenegger. And he, you know, him and him and Bill Wisher, who he, he worked on the script with, they both spoke about the fact this doesn't work. But Cameron said, well, he'll be so menacing, it doesn't matter. People will right, buy yeah. it. But I feel like... He doesn't really do any infiltrating in the movie either. He just walks around Kills shooting everyone. Yeah. everyone at any he makes time. no effort to blame um, but I think maybe you could just change that, uh, like with a few, with a sentence. Maybe not calling him an infiltration unit mm. for a start, and maybe say the robots made what they consider to be the perfect human specimen. That was their idea, the mm. biggest, strongest guy they could to come back and kill you. And I think that would have been fine, and it would have made more sense because yeah, he doesn't look like he'd go undercover particularly well. Mm. Yeah, I wish when. The Terminator is robbed of its fleshy outer skin and it's just the endoskeleton. They, they'd just done a runner. They'd got in the nearest vehicle and driven off because at that point, it, even if it's not an infiltration unit, it's going to get stopped by someone else. You can at that point get as far away from it and the minute a policeman or any kind of armed forces see it, they'll go, we should probably destroy whatever that fucking thing is because yeah. it's probably evil. So at that point, you've got a chance to survive. Now, obviously, that's an idea well, outside the confines of the movie. So uh, my actual change is oh. that sex scene. Yeah, I had that written down. Mm. Something something mucky about it. It's not like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it just misses, misses. 
This is whatever it's trying to do. Why, okay. you, why do you keep looking oh, no, at me like that? Did you like, fucking love it? No, I didn't love it, but they're very hard to do anyway. So it was fine. I just did. I didn't. It didn't register for me as like uh, the wrong tone or anything like that. I'm wearing homeless man's trousers. <laughs> I think that's still playing on my mind in that scene. He's not scene. wearing the trousers. He's naked. I mean, whatever. Or maybe he's not. I don't know. Put a shower scene in. Is that going to hurt you? Put a shower scene. Put a shower scene in. They're in the shower. Then you're like, because well, you that's want fine. to wash the smell of yes. the piss off it. <laughs> exactly. I will have sex with you, but we really must have a shower yeah. first. She should have that line. She should. <laughs> I am really into this. Yeah. One, when you're clean. <laughs> one thing. <laughs> you smell like shit. <laughs> right then. Uh, are we done? We're done. We're done. Mm-hmm. Done. 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 Right. Quiz. Quiz. Arnie. Quiz. Very simple. I'm going to ask you some things about Arnold Schwarzenegger. After what tree is Arnie nickname? Uh, the oak, Austrian oak. I nearly said that. I've sort of given I up. I wish a bit. you had. <laughs> yeah. While serving in the Austrian army in 1965, Arnie was put in military prison for a week. Why? Uh, absconding. Getting pissed. Yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. I'll just take absconding. <laughs> Thank you. I'll give you a bonus point if you can say what he was doing um, on his absconction. Bodybuilding. A, a bodybuilding competition. It was a bodybuilding competition. Was it? Did you really know that? Or did you just no. guess? I figured that's what he was probably yeah, doing. Yeah, I, I thought it was a logical. Uh, yeah, he was, he was competing in and winning, and winning Junior Mr. Europe. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in his early movies, Arnie was credited as Arnold Watt. Uh, and I'll give you a clue. It's a word beginning with S that aptly describes him. He was Arnold. S- Super. Nope. Strong. Yep. Arnold <laughs> Strong. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, Hercules in New York. That's what uh, he's yeah, called. Yeah, that's the one, yeah. Uh, in 1992, Diane Cannon, Diane Cannon, Chris Christopherson and Tony Curtis starred in Christmas in Connecticut, a festive film in which a TV chef has to cook a Christmas dinner on live television in spite of the fact that she can't actually cook. Wow, love it. <laughs> what was Arnie's connection to this movie? He, he would go on to marry Father Diane Cannon. It's quite strange. That's why I put it in. It's quite unexpected. He launched a range of kitchenware off no. the back of it. No, he, he, he was more hands-on when he, it comes he, to this film. He's Wrote a it. turkey. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't know. I mean, you're close. He, he can't cook. He, can't, no. he famously can't cook. Uh, no, this Christmas movie is the only film he directed. Oh, God. He directed no. a feature film, which was a romantic comedy set at Christmas. Have you wow, ever seen it? We no, watch it. we should do it. Yeah, we should. We should do it. Christmas oh, I, I is coming know. up. Oh, he directed brilliant. a film. Yeah, he directed one episode of Tales from the Crypt and this weird Christmas comedy, <laughs> Christmas wow. in Connecticut. Okay, uh, what is the name of the Simpsons character modelled on Arnie? McBain. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, I think that's, I think the actor who plays McBain is who I was thinking of. Oh, Wolf. Uh, yeah. Wolf. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Alex is headbutting the microphone. No. McGruber. <laughs> oh, geez. Not McGruber. Uh, no. No, nothing. Not no. going to get it. No. Rainer Wolfcastle. Oh, I knew it had no. Wolf in it. No. Right. Arnie has been crucified in two films. Name one of them. On a cross. End of days. Correct. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> She says on a cross. What the fuck? Are you even trying anymore? Exactly. No, crucified or on. Well, I mean, you can be like roasted, like verbally crucified, can't you? Wait, what's the other? Let me think of what the other is. Yeah, I'll oh, give you Conan. Yeah, yeah, Conan. 
Conan the Barbarian. Mm. And finally, uh, which former Clash title references the Arnold Schwarzenegger Presidential Library? Oh, oh shit, I do know this. You do. I do, I really do, don't I? I'm looking at you. I'm I trying know. to ignore him. It's uh, White House Down. I want you to get a point. It's not White House Down. No, I think it, it'll be in the future, won't it? Oh, uh, Demolition Man. Correct. <laughs> Alex wins. He even, even cleaned up the bonus points. <sighs> that was a really good quiz, Chris. Fine. You all right? Yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, don't feel sad because what you have got out of that is the fact that one day we're going to watch Christmas in Connecticut. <laughs> That's true, yeah. yeah. Everyone's she's a, won. She's yeah. a TV chef who can't cook. I love that. <laughs> all right, then, let's look ahead to next week. Obviously, on Thursday, we're back talking T2 Judgment Day. Uh, but looking ahead to next week, it's your choice, Victoria. Have you got a clue for us? Yeah, it's very simple. Mm. It is Fear Thy Neighbour. Fear thy neighbour. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Fear thy neighbour is your clue for our pairing next week. Uh, like I said, we're back on Thursday with T2 Judgment Day. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate, and indeed review us if you have time uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, do follow us on Twitter and Instagram where we are at ClashPod. Bye-bye. Back on Thursday. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 